Welcome, everybody, to Mind to Make, Episode 5. Of course, you've got Jeremy Glenn with you here. And I just want to first off thank everybody who's been tuning in, subscribing to the podcast, and sharing it on social media. Really do uh, appreciate the support, and I hope you'll continue to do so. Um, This week on Mind to Make, I'm talking with Oliver Hussein, uh, visual artist, filmmaker. Oliver's also the one who designed the Mind to Make logo, so thanks again for that, Oliver. In this show, we're going to be talking about uh, Oliver's early influences, um, the relationship between the body and the mind in terms of training and practice, how spaces can change the context in which you see your own work, um, and the experience of connecting with other artists and other cultures and societies and how that influences your work as well. Um, We'll also talk a bit about why being safe and sure of yourself and what you're doing isn't necessarily always the best thing and the freedom of non-definition in, uh, in art. So without further ado, I bring you my interview with Oliver Hussein on Mind to Make. I'm here with Oliver Hussein. Hi, Ollie. How are you doing? Hello, I'm good. Thank you for coming on to the Mind to Make podcast. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Um, maybe you would like to give a little description. I don't want to put some words to what it is that you do. What do you like to think of yourself as, as doing um, as a creator? I know that's illustration is one of the things that yeah, you do. I mean, I'm, I'm a visual artist, as you must have as a visual artist and filmmaker. Okay. So my, my background is really moving images, but I always draw and, um, drawing is kind of at the core of what I'm doing. So even if I'm doing a film, mm-hmm. um, it'll start as a drawing usually much mm-hmm. more than with words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So drawing is like the, yeah, it's really kind of the, 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 the daily training that I do. And mm-hmm. um, most of it goes straight into the, um, straight into recycling. So it's not, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, the, uh, uh, it's very rare that uh, the drawings actually have a life, like a logo or like an el- yeah. illustration. Most of it, is really for just for in-house use or no use. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Mm. I'm sure it comes of use, it's just not immediately apparent all the time, I guess, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's a good way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's kind of a good way to come up with visual ideas or also um, to get into the the zone of what I, whatever other um, media I have to tackle that day mm-hmm. or whatever I want to work on. Uh, it's It's a good way to focus and to also in a way unfocused right like it's a good mm. way to um to get out of your head and um and to start just trusting the movements of your hand mm-hmm. and you know like i guess it's very similar to a musician's um process like this yeah for i don't say? know for me for me a lot of the times i'm inspired by a particular sound or a particular sometimes it could be a like an intellectual idea but usually it's it's usually just kind of playing with whatever sounds I've got at my disposal, things that I know that I like. I might gravitate towards certain instruments or something like that. Mm-hmm. If I've got an idea already in my head, then I've got maybe like a palette of sounds that I know that I want to reach for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it usually starts with some kind of, once I've got that in place, then I've, I'm usually playing for a while before it's something, unless that's really specific, an idea that I've like, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to try to do something like this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
like free association with writing, they say it has a similar kind of connection to it that you're, it's, it's not so much about the words that you're writing. It's the fact that your hand is moving in this particular mm-hmm. way that mm-hmm. you're going into this kind of whatever it is, like pseudo uh, meditative con- subconscious sort of, you know, creative state or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something to that. And then also uh, it's also a way of, it's actually kind of training, right? Like it's, mm. it's also like sports or like acrobatics or something yeah, yeah. like that. So, so your, your, your movements, your uh, the way you move your hand, um, uh, is really like it's really training based. Uh, so, um, when I was um, just out of high school, um, I did. I I went to India mm-hmm. um, because my family's from there, and it was like kind of the classic identity trip, like going to India for the first time without my parents and spending a longer time there. And one thing I did was I I, uh, I was a guest student in Baroda at the art academy there, mm-hmm. um, and the education there was much more academic or much more regulated than what I later um, experienced in, in art schools in Germany. Okay. So, uh, so it was very different. And uh, one thing that we had to do, we had to uh, do a hundred drawings every day. So the teacher would give us an assignment, like a twig or a rock, or then later, like more complicated things like a hand or mm. <laughs> a face. <laughs> yeah. you know? And so, um, uh, but, but we had to do a hundred of those every day. And then um, of the same object, yeah, like a hundred sketches, different sketches of the same object. Yeah, and they and they would uh, and the teacher assistant was we had to hand it in the next day, and the teacher assistant would stamp them and number them. <laughs> so it was very strict; like it had to be a hundred. Yeah. Um, uh, and of course, I hated that. But then I I started to realize how much my drawing improved and, and of course nowadays i can't draw as as well as at that time mm-hmm. when i really did that um 100 studies a day like uh, yeah it's it's totally it's totally like an like a figure skater or like an acrobat or something like that it's really like this kind of uh body movement that you uh, that you start to learn mm-hmm. um and then you become yeah more acrobatic with it yeah you once you get the fundamentals down then you can start to yeah, you, you can, can start to jam. Yeah, you yeah. can riff off of it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I usually like to get a bit of an origin story. Uh, you've kind of already given a bit of an origin story. Like, I don't know how old you were when um, you went there, but was illustration, was it the impetus for you becoming somebody that like followed create, you know, creativity as a, as a profession, as a passion? Or was there some other moment that you kind of remember thinking like, oh, that this is the thing I want to do? Or was it like a whole bunch of different things? Um, I think it was, no, it was really always visual art or like that's something that I really enjoyed even as a kid. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I didn't think about illustration at the time or like I still really don't, like illust- like that word didn't occur to me. So it was really drawing and mm-hmm. making images like that and then also telling stories through drawing Mm. so um i I loved comic books and um and started to write my own comics and then make make my own kind of zines and uh that was like way way before even being an art student i i went to like um comic book fairs and then uh try to you know get into the magazines or um, tried to sell my Xerox uh, comic books and yeah. stuff like that. So that was really my start. 
And then uh, I already mentioned that I have, so I have my family backgrounds from India and that uh, those visits, family visits to India always were very important, really important moments. And uh, so one of my aunts, um, who's kind of a mentor for me, she took me on, uh, she's an activist or she's like a, a social activist mm -hmm. and she's really into crafts and weaving and, you know, the whole, uh, the kind of tradi traditional Indian arts. And um, uh, she took me on some of her research trips when I was maybe 13 and then again when I was 15. So in these very formative moments. <laughs> and um, and she made me, like, she made, she made me work on those trips. So, okay. so we were, were, would visit, like, craftspeople and... Uh, uh, she made me copy the designs that they were drawing, like like uh, like wood, you know, like wood drawings or like decorative drawings, ornamentals. Mm -hmm. Or she would uh, make me um, sketch the patterns that the weavers were doing. So this kind of like thinking about patterns and textiles and yeah textures. Mm -hmm. um, that was also kind of the other base of of what I what I started with. And um, I kind of both still see both things very strongly in what I'm doing. So, as do I, actually. I was yeah, thinking yeah. about it as you were saying it. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the, the comic books kind of evolved into filmmaking and into storytelling. And then I still work a lot with textiles also. And, I, and I'm still, like, even in the films, I'm very interested in surfaces and into, in textures and so mm -hmm. ornaments. And all these things, you know, still play a role in, in, in the aesthetic. what I've found through conversations with a lot of different artists is the, the line that seems to run through all art in a sense, in the sense that um, you're really just trying to get an idea across a lot of the time, you know, maybe, maybe the idea is a visual idea. Mm -hmm. um, but how, how does your frame of mind reorient itself when you're trying to say you've put something on paper and then it occurs to you, well, actually the best way to get this idea across would be through film. Like, when when was it that you started to see film as something that was necessary for what you were doing? Of course, there's something so um, so exciting about that medium, like or at least I was always excited by, by it. And then when I realized that the comic books that I were that I was doing were already like could be seen as storyboards for mm. moving image sequences, it it grew into that. And I guess it also really happened. Um, in art school, yeah, we, okay. I was at an art school where the film department was like the coolest, the group of coolest kids and the most exciting um, part of the department. So, um, yeah, that was also one reason why it seemed so easy to yeah. to to go into that zone. Yeah. Mm. So, I guess I'm wondering when does the idea make itself available for that uh, that kind of expression? When mm -hmm. you, when are you saying to yourself like? this is really how this is really the best way to view what i'm what i'm trying to say here mm -hmm. is through film as opposed to because i've seen some of your works in galleries where you've done um you know it's been a, it's been illustration or it's been watercolor mm -hmm. or or something like that mm -hmm. so you can't really like for me i can't really uh i can't divide the idea and the form that it takes so mm -hmm. so it it's it's rarely that i i start with something like a drawing and then I'm like, oh, but this should be a film. <laughs> you know? right. that, that, that's kind of not how it works for me. Like it, it really, it's always this process of evolving something. So you start with any sort of idea 
or a research or moment of or visual research, uh, something that you come across, like a, something that somebody tells you, uh, and then that grows and keeps on evolving. But yeah, there's no, uh, for me, there's no, you know, because there's no message that, that I, that I know that the final product has to kind of convey or something like that. It's more the other way around. I'm like, uh, I'm starting with something and then I will find out what the message was by the end of it. Right. Yeah. So you're, so in, in producing the work, you're sort of, dis it's sort of a process of discovery yourself. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking through it while, while it's taking shape. Yeah. Like that, that, that's kind of. Um, ideally the process I find like that's that's also the way to keep it exciting for you mm. um, because it often yeah it often gets so involved technically or it gets in, or, or you have to kind of sustain interest in it for a very right. long period yeah um, and so the only way to make that really work is to keep some some things open and some things undecided until the until the last bit of it and then yeah, when something's done, like especially something that took me a really long time to produce, um, I also need a really long time to understand it, mm. like to 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 uh, to get the distance again and to um, and to be able to talk about it and to be able to to you know market it, which is also yeah. kind of part of my my job. Yeah, I really need that moment of uh, like some time that has passed and some distance to it to to really be able to be like, oh yeah, this was about that, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you're sort of constantly rediscovering uh, the original, maybe it wasn't an original idea, if you're constantly mm -hmm. learning and understanding what it is that you were looking at in the first place, mm -hmm. when, do, when do you decide that it's like, this is, this is the end point? Like, you know, how do you, how do you know that, dis that distinction for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's different. Yeah, that's always, that's a difficult process. So um, I find that has something to do also with taking your, so your work, in my case, that would be a film or it would be a drawing or it would be a piece of textile that, or like a silk painting that I'm working on. So sometimes the way to know it is to take it out of the context of where I'm making it. Mm. So if I, if I did something in the studio and then I take a picture of it, um, like I, I create some sort of clean space and yeah. then light it and then take yeah. a picture of it and then I can distance myself from it and then I know oh, this is actually something. Mm -hmm. uh, instead of uh, throwing it away and being like, oh, this is actually nothing. It just looks like all the other garbage that's it, like around <laughs> right. in my space. Yeah? Right. So so this moment of, I think this moment of of a shift of perspective. Mm -hmm. um, for, so for a video also looking, of course, or for anything, of course, also looking at it with somebody else. So not even discussing it with somebody or like you know having a studio visit or something but mm -hmm. just the simple thing of like somebody else looking at it with you in the same moment that's also a very very powerful distancing device yeah. somehow are you trying to read cues or are you looking for body language or anything like that or are you just kind of not even to... consciously it's like mm -hmm. it's really this this situation that changes and then i myself my own view changes mm -hmm. when somebody else is around, mm -hmm. especially when you're editing something. I'm sure you have the same, uh, you feel the same way that um, sometimes you can't decide anymore on the timing. Mm -hmm. And then um, just having this other set of eyes or ears oh, in yeah. the space uh, changes also your own, so your perception, own perception of the time, of the time that, that, passes that passes for some, for weird, some reason. weird reason. reason. 
And like you said, it's help, helpful to have the alternative perspective, but I often wonder uh, whether the like the space that you're putting that thing into, mm-hmm. uh, that's obviously going to play into your perspective as well. Mm-hmm. So are you looking to see it in a very neutral kind of setting most of the time? Or do you feel like in many instances, it no, this has to be a very specific kind of space? Yeah, it's really powerful, that context. So, so uh, whatever is possible. So I just had this experience. I was doing a residency um uh, where they gave us an amazing, perfect studio space, like a really big, bright, um, beautiful space for yourself with a lot of walls. Um, so I had this experience that I that everything I created in that space seemed fantastic to yeah. me. <laughs> but it's just because it all looked like something, right? It, right? You could just leave it there, place it somewhere in its own on its own wall, and um, it took on. Yeah, like I say, it it just seems so much better than something that I would do in my usual space, which is much more crammed in right. inside my inside our apartment. So, I, yeah, I really think it's not. You can't underestimate the power of the environment, and also like the. Uh, it's sometimes spooky how the how the studio space or your workspace influences what you're doing, right? Like yeah. it's not it's not your it, out of your head at all. It's really so much about the space that you're in and the the influences that you're that the space is giving you yeah absolutely yeah. i was just having a conversation with somebody else about this that ever since i moved into a studio that had light coming into it it's made a huge difference to my output mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i'm sure it also i mean i know in some instances it's very much uh changed the tone of some of the pieces but it all depends on at what point i'm here so you know, if it's if it's nighttime, a very different product comes out. If it's mm-hmm. daytime, I've got a very different setting in mm-hmm. front of me. Mm-hmm. And that whole color palette and all of that really works to do that. You you were just recently on a uh, at this residency. This was in Singapore, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Did did you um did that environment it like make play into a lot of what it was that you were producing? Like did you get much opportunity to experience what it was like there before you went into the studio? Um or did you come there with a very specific kind of idea of what you were doing? Um, yeah, yeah. The, so they invited me on the basis of a research project that I had okay. to propose, which was specific about um, Singapore film history. Okay. So, um, so I was looking at a lot of archival material, um, old movie posters and movie magazines, and also films. Yeah, yeah. So that was really exciting as a starting point. But then, but then I think that the actual studio space itself, just that beautiful thing that mm-hmm. uh, just that room kind of took over and um and i felt like i was it, it didn't feel like i was making work that you know that i could take home and or that was like actually going to be something but it felt a little bit like i was rehearsing i was rehearsing being an artist and rehearsing working in a in a in a great space so so I felt a bit like um like a, like I was an actor or like a dancer or something like that yeah. right like I just had this space and I could move around and 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 yeah. create in a different way than usual and yeah like I said before it's it's really spooky how that um how that totally changes the the in, the content of the work also yeah. and uh, yeah it was a very produ- it, it it ended up being a extremely productive uh, two months that I was there mm-hmm. and of course yeah the the local culture and and just like the the encounter with all the people that were the other artists that were there uh, also played a huge part in that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, those re- those kind of residencies are, are so valuable for that that you that you can forget some of the obligations of your daily life and yeah. like the the other struggles that you have to deal with uh, usually and like live the dream for this <laughs> for this like concentrated period. <laughs> and you were you did another one I think about a year ago, right? You were in uh, Sri Lanka. Uh, in right? in uh, Indonesia, Indonesia, yeah, in yeah. Indonesia, yeah. That was a uh, that was different in that it was more. Uh, I worked with different communities there, mm-hmm. um, like artist collectives, okay, and uh, was visiting them, f- finding out about their work, but then also um, gave workshops for young artists, young local artists there, and kind of communicated through through collaborating with them or like um, doing like little projects with them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was um, was less production based, but more about learning and communicating right. both ways. Right. Yeah. Did you uh, did you did you like it? Like, did you like working with with those kids? Because I know you oftentimes will do uh, some teaching as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was super because it was not in an institutional way. Like, it was it didn't feel like school? There were, you know, right. it was really different. It was a very different vibe. And um, no, it was it was super. It's such a good way to connect to um, people beyond language and be uh, through like this was like in in very remote areas of Indonesia, okay. so in West Sumatra, like this small town, and um, um, just to learn about that there's even an art scene that exists there and yeah. what they're up to, and yeah. uh, to connect with them, uh, yeah, it was really exciting and. Yeah, it was very inspiring. It it really didn't have any material outcome that whole that whole period. Like, <laughs> like I, uh, it was really only about input for the brain and right. inspiring to, um, yeah, it's it's just humbling and inspiring to see how people work and produce yeah. in other parts of the of the globe that under so different conditions. Yeah. yeah, do you think you've put any of that experience into the work you've just recently been working on, or what you've been um, thinking about? The inspiration when I when I um, visit people in Indonesia, also in India, and, and talk to artists there, is often that when I come back, I um, I'm inspired to really make my own structures or kind of realize my own work um, because they just like over there. There's no go- there's not a lot of government funding. There's not a lot of opportunities that people give them um but they all make it work mm-hmm. and they make it work through um being collective and collaborating and um trying to make the resources work so that they can do what they envision right and um yeah i find that so inspiring right yeah. like in a very general way like to to not like over here i often fall into this routine like a lot of us i think to hustle for jobs and hustle for um funding opportunities yeah. and kind of um look for commissions look to uh, look to work for towards something like just to make rent and things like that yeah but this just this this way of working to create your own projects and to create like your own vision of something mm-hmm. uh, and realize that i find that what what yeah. were they interested in like do you remember any of the projects that you worked with like especially the like for example the the community in uh, West Sumatra they had just recently started their um, they found the space they were sharing the space with a kung fu school okay. so it was like a local kung fu school for kids and then uh, at night the the art collective takes over and they use it as a gallery or as like just a hangout and um, 
they were um, while I was there, they they had their first public event, okay. and it was really about com connecting with their neighborhood and their community in a way that I found thought was super interesting and super advanced actually so they did like research with uh, into what's going on in, on their actual street like they talked to their neighbors to the shopkeepers to the restaurants um they made um photos or video projects and then um documented really their actual immediate surrounding and then of course that was like the perfect way to start off their space and because everybody was excited to see their own statements or their own images in, mm -hmm. uh, in the space and it was a yeah it was i thought a really smart way to to start a new artist run center yeah right? yeah yeah i'm really interested in this idea of uh how community plays a part in the whole process mm -hmm. and i often uh i've talked with my friend todd about this this idea that in in you know particular in some cultures Art is not seen as something that's so much uh, it, like a, a thing unto itself. It's sort of seen in a lot of things that's that's produced that you could see throughout the community that it's just really this expression. It's mm -hmm. just sort of a free expression that's not trying to tackle a particular problem or it's just kind of coming from a very pure uh, place. Mm -hmm. And I wonder um, how much this idea of community plays into that because as you're saying, when you're, we talked about this today when you're in your studio by yourself and you're very insular and you're focused on things that you're thinking about mm. then that's what you're doing you know whatever's coming into your mind at that day or whatever things you're interested in focusing on and of course that gives you perspective but it doesn't necessarily relate um maybe eventually you get the perspective like you said mm. um but i think it's interesting especially in in cultures where like it's it's not a priority necessarily in the in the society mm -hmm. yeah i, I mean there's an art, a big art market in Indonesia as well, as well that works much more through like a gallery system and mm -hmm. like selling stuff and saying, you know, the, the, all these things exist parallel. Mm -hmm. But um, like especially in a in a remote place like that, of course, the art market doesn't play any role, right? Like so, mm -hmm. so it's also it's also interesting to see how these artists take that as an opportunity rather than an obstacle right mm -hmm. and to to um, because there is no definition for what art should be the neighbors were not surprised or were, didn't think this was too you know like not big enough as a project or something right. like that it, they didn't expect anything right yeah. like so so it's just like a a, a fantastic way to start the communication mm. right and of course there's there's like the part of the process of making something that where you have to be isolated and where it's actually a lonely <laughs> valley of doubt and and there's no one else that can share that right yeah like, there's no one um you have to go through that and like something like writing for example is a process where that for me that's always like the, the most um gruesome uh <laughs> where I, I feel like yeah that's always that kind of valley experience mm -hmm. but then there's also other parts of it where where you're communicating and where you have to uh, work with the crew or you work with other people and collaborating and yeah where that gets totally turned upside down and where where you're uh, where the, the the fun is to give as much away and to be as porous as you can be right yeah. and and uh, um, 
let things come your way and give things out and you know kind of try to dissolve into that uh, into that collective and that's of course just as exciting I guess everybody comes at what they're doing from maybe their particular perspective. Do you view some perspectives as being more relevant than others? Mm. Well, some are more exciting for me than others, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, not every like not every art is exciting for me, <laughs> right? Like, no, yeah. Um, but that's of course whatever. That can be for ever any reason. So that that can be very subjective reasons. Can be that I. That I really like the person behind it, or that um, the artwork reminds me of something very personal, like a personal memory, or something like that. That you know, it doesn't have to be like a a, a proper reason <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> to yeah. like something. There's yeah. no bad reason to like something, yeah. but the same way you dislike stuff for you know for whatever mm-hmm. uh, thing. Yeah. What are the things that are really that really get you going most of the time? Like, what are the things that are that tend to excite you? Um, are they just the things that you you like not necessarily and this is very bum- boxing you here but they don't just just fall to the things that you tend to work with or do you tend to find that you uh, are often relating similarly or you're looking at things that excite you or things that relate often to the things that you're doing already mm-hmm. yeah for sure of course like if something seems like that like a like sometimes you you see work and you feel like you found an alley or you found somebody who's like uh, uh, suddenly like a friend, although yeah. you never met them. Yeah, uh, that could be the that could be the case. But then also the opposite might be true, right? Like like there's a for example the Korean filmmaker Hong Sang Soo, who's my really my favorite filmmaker. I love his work, and he's this super straight Korean man who whose films are about married guys who drink too much and and have affairs with young women so it's really the opposite it's really the total opposite of my life and my aesthetic but yeah i love it and yeah. and it's uh um yeah so i think there are no like i say there are no wrong reasons to love something yeah do you think of yourself as being associated with a particular brand do you think of that kind of thing like is there a an overarching philosophy that seems to under underpin your your work or anything like that are you are you trying to come from a particular perspective or are you uh-huh. you tend to be reacting to things other than and sort of drawing inspiration from your your earlier life or mm-hmm. yeah. so for me i like i don't start with looking at my other works when i start something new i really start with looking at whatever is the given like yeah, whatever the the starting idea is, so that could be um, uh, like a personal memory. It could mm. be a piece of research. It could could be a, an encounter while traveling. You know, like very it's it's usually very simple um, things that or like stories that I hear, and then those evolve into something. Or it mm. could be a drawing, right? It could be mm-hmm. something that I came up with. Um, and then I always think, oh, this is so new and different. Like this time is really different. I'm like totally on shaky new ground. Right. Like what am I doing? Um, how will this, you know, how will I pull this through? But then later, like when, I, when I'm a little bit into it, I'm like, oh no, this is actually exactly like the same as I always <laughs> do it. Still so, yeah. <laughs> so it's so, so I, I think um, you kind of, 
as an artist, there is a limit to what you're doing and what your language is. And even though you're not always aware of it, you all actually always do the same thing, right? Okay. Like it's always like the same that you're doing. But um, uh, for myself, luckily, I don't notice it so much. <laughs> I think it would be very frustrating yeah. if I would. But uh, yeah, I feel like it, it kind of automatically ends up being the same. Like right. I don't have to worry about that. That's that's the, that's the line through everything that you're doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't have to worry about that line. I have don't have to identify that line consciously. It'll it'll happen anyway. Yeah. You know? I uh, like so I struggle more the the opposite way. So I I, I try to use a new technology, for example, or mm. to use a new software or something simple like that. Mm. Or or um, uh, I recently started to work with stereography or like three D. Um, so there was a lot of, it was a steep learning curve and I had to, you know, um, so I always try to kind of destabilize myself so that I don't get too professional mm -hmm. uh, with the, with the things that I'm doing. So to, to challenge myself that mm -hmm. way. Why, why is it important to kind of be a little bit, uh, un, uneducated in, in a particular field? Yeah, for me, that's really important to, to not be too sure about what you're doing and to not be too safe, right? So that it gets a little bit... Yeah, I feel like otherwise you're, you're speaking from a point of authority or you start to mm. be too... Yeah, you start to be too happy in your own... You know, in your own... Uh, in in the stuff that you're doing. It becomes so narcissistic. You're like... you you. There are certain tricks that you just know you can pull off and it's very... It can be very... Um, it can become too easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for myself, at least in um, music, I find it's, you know, something that I've struggled with a lot is to not produce the same thing. Mm -hmm. But I feel, even though I feel there's a, a, a lot of pressure to do so, mm -hmm. and I think it was something that I could be, I could easily criticize myself in, when I started to release things professionally, that, you know, I wanted to do all these different kinds of things and and always try to do something different um but that doesn't necessarily at least in that field it doesn't necessarily work out for you because you 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 know you're well you're in this particular genre and that's mm -hmm. what you do and that's where people see you mm -hmm, mm -hmm. do you do you feel like there's a lens like that that people tend to view your work through absolutely yeah, yeah of course it's it's very similar i think that you um that you it's part of your job also right to communicate that and to have some sort of like that that there is some sort of you you earlier call it branding, right? Mm. But but that yeah, it's part of your of your professional life. Um, so one time, uh, Christopher House of the Toronto Dance Theater, mm -hmm. uh, he invited visual artists to do choreographies as a collaboration with dancers, and I was one of them. And that was a really interesting process to learn about dancers and how they how they work. And so to prepare, um, I took a class with him. A choreography class uh, and it was um, Deborah Hayes method that Christopher so Christopher has worked with this uh, famous uh, senior choreographer Deborah Hay a couple of times and so kind of he was teaching her method okay yeah and so I took this class and that was so interesting because it was all about that yeah it was all about improvising in space and picking up whatever influences you could find in the moment mm -hmm. almost like a meditation mm -hmm. so that the light or whatever the other people in the room or whatever their movements were you you were supposed to take pick up everything right mm -hmm. and um and react to it 
But then at the same time, whenever you felt that something would look really good that you were doing, or whenever you felt like, oh yeah, now I'm onto something, you were supposed to abandon it right away. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, yeah, I thought that was like such a, a super helpful workshop, right? Like to, mm -hmm. uh, to think about it like that. You've done um, classes or you've done some teaching and I've you know seen you with students um, mm -hmm. sometimes. What do you try to get across to them as you're going through all these different things that you're showing or speaking to them about, like what, you know, what, what, what would you hope that they're, they're taking from a lot of what you're teaching them? Mm. See, there it's always filtered through the institution. So it's kind of, um, uh, so you're dealing with a particular kind of style or a particular kind of work or, mm -hmm. yeah, I guess I would say then what is it that you feel is really, um, nourishing or that people are getting out of the artistic experience? Mm -hmm. So one thing is the, I think the, the, the unsettling and the destabilizing part of it mm. so that, that you actually, actually can't say what that is, right? Mm. Like that you can't pinpoint it. And like, like, especially in the visual art field, I think that's the, that's one of the things that I love about visual art, that it, that whatever you say what it is, or whenever you try to define it, you're like, wrong it's not mm. true there's always another example and 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 there's also like that it constantly kind of challenges itself through this def definition what that is and it's something that students find extremely frustrating and um uh, uh and scary yeah. uh, which i understand and so so i don't try to take that away from them like i i'm telling them no there's no yeah i, I won't be able to deliver that to you and mm -hmm. and 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 i shouldn't i shouldn't try to you know come up with that because it's exactly about this kind of uh, like the this freedom and and this this a little bit unnerving quality of freedom that's the challenge yeah that's exactly what what i love about it yeah yeah i also don't see like i don't think that art and like creativity and art making is always so wonderful right mm -hmm. like it's also a job and yeah. it's also uh it's it's really just like like other professions have, use a lot of creativity and they use a lot of power of appearance and and performativity um and um and you have to have luck and um yeah. you know all these kind of things that are necessary to uh all those skills that are necessary for professional artists mm -hmm. so one thing that i also don't like always try to do is i don't want to encourage them into this kitsch of you know this love of being an artist for artists or everything like it's so wonderful because it's so creative <laughs> yeah. you know this whole kitsch like no that's not like so uh, yeah there's this great story that i remember from a like a mm. some early electroacoustic musician who was studying under another and mm. and the the student basically came home he was so upset and he was like we're doing something that's like revolutionary like why doesn't anybody care about what we're doing and his response was basically who told you to become like an electroacoustic musician like why you know what i mean like mm. don't just necessarily respect this uh, expect this an amazing response from the work that you're doing um you know if you think it's important that's then that's great and do mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. but don't necessarily think that everybody's just gonna like love what you're doing because right. you think it's amazing and you love what you're doing yeah yeah, yeah. i think i mean it's, it's a good piece of realism to kind of throw into things <laughs> um well i i uh i think we're getting pretty close to okay, the time and, mm -hmm. and and um i think there's a lot of stuff i would love to explore with you more that we've sort of touched on mm -hmm. um but i really appreciate you coming in and and talking with me yeah. 
It was yeah. fun to be here. Thanks. <laughs> If you like what you heard on the show today and would like to support it, I would encourage you to go to my Patreon page and become a patron. Patrons will get access to exclusive content and can help decide which guests come on the show and what I ask them, as well as other rewards along the way. Support will enable the show to become bigger and better in many ways. There'll be a link to the page on both the Mind to Make website at www.mindtomake.com, as well as in the show notes in the description for the podcast. Thanks again so much for listening, and please tune in next time.